Hello and welcome to the Glowface Digital Wellbeing Podcast. I am, of course, your host, David Talbot. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen this week or check it out on YouTube. I've um, been playing around with the microphone a little bit the last few weeks. Apologies if it came through a little bit distorted for the last couple of weeks of the podcast. Hopefully, I've made a bit more distance between myself and the microphone. So hopefully, that helps it to sound a little clearer, <clears throat> a bit groggy, it is 5.30 in the morning and it's the only time I'll get today to record the podcast, so uh, if I look a little bit dreary and uh, sound a bit dreary, apologies, I have to drink some water and try and continue to wake up, but nonetheless, still excited to be able to have a little bit of a conversation with you today about something that really caught my attention uh, in the last, even just 24 hours, and it was a... Uh, Again, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently, and I caught a conversation between Joe Rogan and The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Um, Say what you want about Joe, I think he has some great conversations on his podcast, uh, and he's always open to having just that, a conversation with people. And uh, of course, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, one of the biggest superstars in the entire world. Interesting to hear his take on different things. Interesting to hear his story and uh, interesting to, 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 I guess, to get to know him a little bit better through these sort of long-form conversations he has. And so, <clears throat> they were um, having a conversation uh, about, I guess, the current state of the world. Um, if you would, if it's quite, quite a broad comment, but they were talking, I guess, really quite specifically about um, the current conflict in Israel and Palestine, and they're making this point around how the conflict is really driving a lot of, I guess, hateful or um, you know, quite polarizing positions on either side of the table where you start to get a lot of people that are either really, really for one side or, you know, really against one side. A lot of, you know, you, you might have seen recently a lot of anti-Semitism coming out, but not just like passively, a quite aggressive anti-Semitic comments coming out from a lot of people, from protesters, you know, people who are so pro-Palestine. Pro on, on the other side of the story, people pro-Israel. And again, these anti-Muslim comments, broadly speaking, and there's some very strong positions on, on both sides of the table. Now, I think John and Dwayne make a good point, is this really isn't a binary outcome. This isn't, you know, you're good, you're bad. This isn't one side uh, has you know, is, is blameless and the one side's not. But Joe sort of makes this point that he thinks that the by having access effectively this by having access to the internet that the information available on the internet will promote people to have open dialogues about these kind of issues and effectively promote more conversation promote less binary thinking less you know us versus them thinking and get people to outcomes that are conversational that realize that you can't just be completely good or bad, you can't just be completely on one side or the other, there is this sense that, you know, maybe this is somewhere in the middle, maybe this isn't a binary outcome, I think that's certainly an example in the current Israel conflict, the Israel-Palestine conflict, that this isn't, you know, one side's good or bad, both sides make mistakes and need to, you know, um, 
atone for their sins, sort of inverted commas there, but <clears throat> the point that Joe gets at is that, you know, you need to have an open, free dialogue on the internet, a free exchange of knowledge and ideas to promote people to be able to uh, enter into a state where you can have a conversation, have a dialogue. And I fundamentally disagree with that idea that the internet is a place for open dialogue and conversation and then that it will, its, its current state promotes that. I mean, Joe is always anti-censorship uh, uh, from the government, particularly anti-censorship from the companies themselves as well, that you need to have open communication. And... You know, probably not my position um, as well, that I think there needs to be some accountability. And I think that's part of the issue if, with the idea of having an online dialogue is, if firstly, you're not really accountable for what you say on the internet. You can say almost anything to anyone and not have to deal with their emotional response, not have to deal with their... Um, you know, physical response to to your words. You know, you can say things to people that's really hateful, uh, and and not really get the full human empathy experience from having said those words. And I suppose that's where I start with the issue around why I don't think people have dialogues on the internet because it's it's really difficult, and in fact, it's counterintuitive to what the internet promotes. In fact, you know, as we've talked about a lot. The internet, uh, social media, and you know, no matter how you consume the internet, it's designed for one thing. It's designed to keep your attention, right? It's designed to keep you focused on the on the screen. Designed to hold your attention there. Now, how do you? How does it do that? Well, it provides you content that it believes will be interesting to you, and it provides this content by starting to know what holds your attention the longest. How long do you spend stopping and staring at something on Instagram? How, you know, what have you clicked on on Google? What kind of content have you promoted on your page itself? And it starts to show you these things in order to say, hey, well, if you liked this piece of content that was about, you know, let's say health and fitness, then you're going to like this other piece of content that's got another pretty person about health and fitness. And so, the, you know, the idea is that the algorithms, so to speak, inverted commas, sitting behind these platforms, keep you engaged by showing you the same content. Now, when you take someone with a very strong political view, and let's look at the Gaza-Palestine conflict again, and you take someone who is very, very pro one side, when they go online, they're not going to enter into a marketplace or enter into a, a situation where there is, they're getting information openly from both sides. They're going to enter into a situation where they see more of the same stuff. They see more of the same argument from the one side because the internet, social media, will not show them the other side. It will show them content that keeps them engaged because the, the reason that the current conversation may be engaging for them is that it's so much easier to be told that you're right rather than it is to be told you're wrong. Think about that, just like from human nature standpoint. It's 100% easier to be told that you're right than it is to be told that you're wrong. And so when you go online, you see a piece of content that says, 
oh, I think, you know, you, you, that challenges your views. It's so hard to stop and think and engage with that content. And so people don't do that. People see content that, that challenges their views. And this is not an attack on anyone. This is just natural human nature. And you don't engage with that content. It doesn't hold your attention long enough. So then the algorithm learns, well, I've shown them content that challenges their views and it hasn't held their attention. So I'm going, not going to show that to them again. So it creates this worldview. These algorithms create this worldview that reinforces your current position on ideas be it the war in Israel and Palestine, or be it um, you know, political views, religious views, whatever it is, you get you put the blinders of the algorithm on and you don't get to see, unless you take an active position in your search online and go, actually, I need to go and understand the other side of the story better, you're not going to get that level of information from the internet without you actively seeking out and it's not natural for people to do that because it is difficult and we don't do difficult things online we do easy things we consume information in an easy way we don't look at we don't get knowledge from the internet right we do what's simple what's straightforward uh, and what's natural what's natural is just to be told that you're right not be told that you're wrong the internet will never show you content that you're wrong you have to go and find that you have to make a decision as a person say hey I've, I've maybe made the wrong decision or maybe formed the wrong view and go and understand the other side of the story rather than you just sitting there going hey it's us versus them and they are wrong and all you get fed online is more content that tells you how wrong the other side is so that's why I don't think that you can have a you know a I don't think this the this, this, excuse me the solution to the situation like Palestine and Gaza is more conversations online. I don't think the solution to any non-binary issue can be found by proliferating more information online. Is because they're not it's 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 not a place for this kind of dialogue. The second reason is that uh, you the the kinds of information that gets put online we all put it up there with a filter that maybe isn't reflective of our reality, right? When we're posting things, when we're putting our own content in our own everyday lives, we like to make it perceived to be engaging, happy, positive, whatever it is. You know, you naturally put content up there to be um, sort of received in a, in, a, in a good way, right? And there is this kind of you know, excuse my language, but this is this layer of bullshit that sits on top of a lot of content, a lot of information that's put up on the internet, right? And you need to think about it from that standpoint as well, is that when people put things up on the internet, there's, it's, it's sometimes it isn't perfectly reflective of the truth, right? You, if, it, if it's a news article writing a news story, there's, there's a side to that story that they're trying to push, there's a side to that story that they want to see known more. So, it's those kinds of things that make it really difficult to see truly what's going on the internet when you have that layer of, of bullshit kind of 
on top of everything you see. It's that kind of exaggeration as well. Everyone loves to exaggerate all the time. We naturally do that as humans. We always say, you know, oh, geez, I worked like 15 hours today or something incredibly, some ridiculous number, like, you know, the 100-hour weeks or whatever it is. I'm sure some people do, but also maybe you did it once and you didn't do it every single week, right? We always kind of exaggerate about these things. So the, the point I'm trying to get across is, is you know, is you can't filter out people's exaggeration and people's bullshit on the internet when consuming information. So when you're trying to have dialogues with people about complex issues on the internet, kind of getting that look through into what is reality is almost impossible. So I don't think the internet is a place for open conversation and dialogue, although I would idealistically love it to be. It's just not naturally going to be that for anyone ever. I mean, Douglas Murray said this really, really well in a podcast recently, and he said that 20 years ago at the dawn of the internet age, there was such promise when we got access to all human information, but 20, you know, but now what the conversation has become, we're debating them. the first thing we knew, man or woman. Now, say what you want about that conversation or that debate, but the, the idea behind it is is quite is very, very clever. The debate has turned into us arguing about the first, literally the first thing we knew as a human species, man or woman. And that's what the social conversation has come on the internet. It hasn't progressed. It hasn't, you know, allowed us to socially you know, advance as a Western society. I don't think in that sort of conversationally standpoint, right? It's taken, the conversation's gone backwards. So, so, you know, to Joe's point, is it a place that information will allow better conversations to be had? Definitely not. Not in my opinion, at least. So that's my thoughts for today. Um, the reasons why the internet isn't a place for conversation, dialogue, and to progress really difficult ideas. How do you do it? You need face-to-face conversation. You need open dialogue. You need people engaging in, in deep conversation over multiple periods of time. You need honesty, uh, which you don't get a lot of on the internet as well, uh, and yeah, you, you need less of your own filters, less of your own bullshit, and more empathy to the other people. And again, these things are the kind of things you get online and on the internet. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today, and I hope you enjoyed. Please check out um, the socials, and we'll see you next week.